Good morning. I'm Pastor Nancy, and I'm going to invite Pastors Austin and Pastor Mark to come on up as I get my water ready. I don't know if Mark's ready. Mark is late as always. Oh, I'm a little ahead of schedule. You know. That's okay. You know. (laughs) You know how it goes. Well, friends, we have been in this Love Thy Neighbor series, and we've been learning a lot. I know I have been. And today we're going to do things a little differently. We're going to share the sermon together with Pastor Austin and Pastor Mark. We'll be here in a bit and it will be fabulous. Uh, Yes. And so we've kind of been challenged in some of the things we've been learning as well. I know I've been challenged. And even as I start driving out of my neighborhood in the morning, I have been finding myself praying for my neighbors, praying for them a lot more than I ever used to. And on my mornings, you know, I'm already thinking about my to-do list, things I need to do for the day. Does anybody else start doing that on your drive-in? Yeah, here's Pastor Mark. Hello. Thanks. So um, does anybody else start talking or thinking through their day, kind of what you're going to do, lining things Ooh. up? Maybe sometimes I adjust the radio station a little bit. So there's also like a ton of construction right now in Redmond. So I have to be more attentive at certain points because it feels like it changes every day. But as I'm going through the other day, I was starting my to-do list. I prayed for my neighbors. I'm driving down. I get to the the major intersection uh, where you can turn right to go on to 520 or you can go straight ahead to get on 520 to come out this way or you can turn to go into Redmond. And it's a really big intersection and it was a red light and I was right at the front. So I paused and thinking through my to-do list again and And I was like, okay, all right, changed, my turn to go. And I started driving, and as I'm halfway through the intersection, I looked up, and the light was still red. (laughs) I was running a red light, and it could have been really, really bad because there are so many cars there. And something caught my attention to see that, and I was, like, snapped back into the present reality. Have you ever done that, where, like, you see something, and, like, oh, wait, what? Or maybe you've gone through a bunch of intersections. You're like, was that really green? Was I on autopilot that whole time? Have you ever felt like you're on autopilot? Yeah. yeah. Well, I wonder, as we're thinking about this intersection of the Great Commandment and the Great Commission and and loving our neighbors, do we ever get on autopilot Mm. on how we relate to our neighbors? Mm. Or autopilot on how we relate to God? Do we get so fixated on just loving God and checking the list that we miss loving our neighbors? And as we approach an intersection, we we have to slow down. So as we've been learning, how do we slow down to love our neighbors without fear, without judgment, without restrictions of time? How do we receive from them? I found myself challenged that day of like, whoa, slow down. You can't just be on autopilot the whole time because if I come to this intersection and I find that I'm just thinking and loving my neighbors, I could do that without Jesus. Mm. I could love my neighbors well without Jesus. So am I going to pursue God and my neighbors or am I just going to turn this way at the intersection? Is Jesus there at that intersection? Mm. And... Are we on autopilot Christianity where we're just, we think we're living intentionally. We think we're on this pathway forward, but maybe it's really haphazard. And if we're on this fat wide road, are we actually going to meet Jesus? 
And so this morning what we want to do is we want to read two texts for you. And we don't have it on the screen. We're trying to intentionally make this feel a little different this morning. And so what I want you to do, and, and these are hopefully maybe uh, texts that you have um, known before, you've heard before. So this is what I want you to do. I'm throwing a curveball at Mark. Mark's looking at me with the eyes wide open already. You throw a lot of curveballs. I do. If I was a major league pitcher, the slow curve would be my pitch. Um, uh, The slurve. But (laughs) what I want you to do is maybe close your eyes. Or or if you want to, we're going to do two. So that's probably the best. Close your eyes and listen as in this is Jesus speaking. These aren't like the disciples' words. These aren't um, the writers of the letters. This is Jesus speaking. And asking questions. So, so maybe close your eyes and listen to the word uh, of Jesus being spoken to us this morning. It says this. This is in Luke chapter 10. And so he said, Behold, a lawyer stood up and put him to the test. Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Where, What is written in the law? And how do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. Continue with your eyes closed. These are words of Jesus from Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. And Jesus came to them and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore... And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. And so this morning, what we're really doing um, is talking about what does it look like to follow Jesus, to love our neighbor, um, but this real idea of what does it look like to meet Jesus in these two, what I call the greats. Like, this is the great commandment and the great commission. Like, when you, when you go up and if you looked up these two, it'd be like, these are, would be the summations of what Jesus is telling his disciples of what it is to fulfill all the commandments. And then right before he leaves them, this is the last word of Jesus to his disciples, telling them, hey, this is what you need to go to. Right? So for us, if we live out these two greats, like as, as Pine Lake Covenant Church— if we are going to be disciples of Jesus who lives out these two greats, like what happens though, what I've seen in Christianity is that sometimes we, we do this. We think that the greats are really divided up into this. And this happens a lot because we get this confused language or we buy into this language that there's only some places where you are gifted or called or made to do, right? So you have like, I'm really a love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? I'm, I just really love God, right? And then some of you are like, I I am, uh, I'm a love, my neighbor. Like, I just love actually loving people. Like, that's what I just, I, I'm just made to do. I just want to drive on this road where it looks like loving. And I'm using plates because we have plates up here. And then the other one is like, um, I really feel like I am just, you know, that great commission. I want to make disciples of all nations. And so what ends up happening is like, you, 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 f- you're like, oh, let's divide us on these three plates. Let's divide ourselves really in these three places where the greats are. Like, let's divide them up. Let's have the people that want to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with who wants to love your neighbor and who wants the Great Commission. But the reality is it's not supposed to be this way. We're talking about it this way. Instead of plates, 
that the Great Commission, the Great Commandments, meet at an intersection. They're not plates that you divide yourself onto. They're at an intersection between the two greats. They live at a crossroads. And so as followers of Jesus, our purpose and our stretch, if we're talking about loving our neighbor, is not just to say, like, man, Mark really is good at loving God, right? He just loves God, and I love my neighbor, and Nancy really likes making disciples. And so we're a really complete church because we have one pastor that does each one of those things. <laughs> it should not be this way. Neither for you should be like, well, let's, I'm, I'm team Mark, or, you know, I'm team Nancy, or I'm team Austin. Like, I, I really fall in line. But we are supposed to be at a place where the intersection between God's good, great commandment and commission intersect. And as we approach an intersection, so think about the roadway on an intersection, and there's a red light. As you're coming up to that, what are you supposed to do, unlike what I did? You're supposed to stop, right? You have to slow down as you're approaching this intersection. So if we have this intersection of the great commission and the great commandment, where do you slow down to intentionally hear from Jesus? Because we can get on the expressway, right? We can be expressway Christians just moving forward, doing all of the things. But are we slowing down to hear from Jesus? So whose strength and power are we moving forward in? Is it ours? Or are we going with Jesus? And if it's just ours and we're moving forward thinking we're doing all of these good things for God, are they really for God? What direction are we going? Because as we slow down, as we we pursue God, we meet with Jesus, he's the one who redirects us towards our neighbors, who moves us towards others as he speaks to us, as that Holy Spirit convicts us and moves in us. So it's not just us pursuing God on a one-way road, because loving God means knowing him, means slowing down and spending time with him. Rather than being on this big expressway, doing the things for God, thinking we're checking the list, right? I can be on the expressway and say, Bible study, check. Mm. Quiet time, check. Mm. Prayer time, check. Sitting in a service, check. But have you slowed down to find a relationship with Jesus? to know him, to move out in his power, to move towards our neighbors in his power. We can check all those boxes, but we need to slow down to have that relationship so we are moved towards our neighbors, so we don't miss moving towards our neighbors, so we're not on the expressway without Jesus. These words of Matthew 28 uh, remind us that... um, that the Holy Spirit continues to go with us and before us mm-hmm. throughout this whole experience. And so, um, as a new parent, uh, I'll be honest, like one of the, the greatest fears that I have, especially now that, that Trey is like actually napping in the car. I don't know why he didn't nap in the car for like a year, but, uh, <laughs> one of my greatest fears is like just getting into my own rhythm and routine and, you know, driving home and, um, Trey falls asleep in the car. Maybe you've been there as a parent. I, I don't know. But like getting out and then just like forgetting that I have a kid in the back seat and then like going on without my day. Like biggest fear. Have you been yeah, there? Anybody? Fear. I don't yeah. know. Parents? Am yeah. I weird? Like mm-hmm. I don't know. But that like it's, it's a fear of mine mm-hmm. because one, like I don't want to forget my kid. But two, like I think it's important to know that I'm the one responsible for this little human. And oftentimes like I think I just have this fear in my mind that like what if I just get going on without – with my day without actually thinking about this other person. How – 
common is that for us? How similar is that for us in our relationship and our walk with God? Nancy, I love the way that you, we continue to talk about doing all of these things so well, loving our neighbors so well, and yet forgetting that uh, we can do that and forget Jesus. Mm. Forget to actually embody Jesus. And, and yeah. I love the way that, that Jesus sent his 12, the apostles. Um, that, that word apostle actually in Greek means, it's, it's apostolos, it means um, to be sent. Like, how cool is that? That the apostles, these 12 people that Jesus was with the whole time, he, he didn't call them, like, the gatherers or the ones that make a really pretty circle. No, he called them the <laughs> ones who are sent. And, and for some of us, I think it's like, okay, well, I'm not sent to Sierra Leone, or I'm not sent to go serve on the other side of the world, or I'm not sent to be a pastor. But, but you are sent into Redmond High School. You are sent into Beaver Lake Middle School. You are sent to live in your neighborhood in Issaquah. So each and every one of us are disciples being sent. Disciples, not powwows of Jesus. Correct. Or not, not people who uh, try to hoard or to, to, to circle up. Mm. Absolutely. To hold on to Jesus and not share him with others. Oof. Keep him to ourselves. Oof. Share yes. my faith. What? So as we live at this intersection, how does that inform then how we yeah. do live? Intersection, not parallel roads, not loving God. And then loving, loving his people over here, loving our neighbors and developing disciples. They're not three parallel roads. There's an intersection. So how do we come to this intersection? We slow down. We listen. And what do we learn there? What have we been learning through this whole series? What is God impacting in your heart? What are you hearing from him? I want to share what I've been hearing. Mm. For me, it's moving past that fear. That's what's been holding me back. And I've had to do some unpacking in my life of what it is that's been holding back. Because I remember years ago going and having uh, coffee with neighbors and reaching out to them. And then as a single mom, moving high schoolers to a, a different city, a different state, in a townhouse, tons of people around, you know, just cement and garage doors. No real neighborhood feeling. Mm. Home was my safe place. Home was my place I came to where I rested, where I made sure my kids were okay, that I was okay. But I didn't reach out. And maybe in that season of life, that's what needed to happen. But that was a season. And I'm in a completely different season Mm. now, different neighborhood. Yeah. And I'm still holding on to that. And I realize I'm on this expressway of self-preservation. I'm making sure I'm okay. But in doing that, what am I missing out on in loving my neighbors, in caring for them, of finding that intersection? Yeah, that's that's so good that that you're talking about like that good news that's for yourself Mm -hmm. of self-preservation. But like that's not the good news of Jesus. Like that's actually a good news for a lot of people, like for a lot of people that you can kind of orient your life in a way that preserves your own life is actually you'll find a lot of self-help books, you know, in, in Barnes and Nobles and on Amazon for all those things. But it's not the good news of Jesus Christ. And one of the things that we really wanted to talk about and hear from all of us is, I don't want you to hear this moment for us as pastors. Like, we're neighbors. Mm-hmm. We're disciples. We're literally with you working this out. What does it look like to love our neighbors? And one of the things that we were talking about uh, this week as we were in preparation— um, 
is this idea of what does it look like to love our neighbors well with or without Jesus. And one of the things that I remember, um, it was when I was uh, going through my ordination, a mentor of, a mentor of mine said this, um, in the culmination of uh, affirming me for ordination, um, known him for a long time, he's known me since I was a kid, and he said this, Austin. He goes, Austin, you are called and gifted. You are talented. And you can lead a church and you can lead people. My warning for you is that you could lead people, you could grow a church, and you could do it completely without Jesus. My question for, for me, and then even like I was thinking about in a couple of weeks, we're going to go back uh, to Connecticut and we're going to be with um, people that we have I've uh, been away from, and I'm, I'm thinking about going into this coffee shop um, called Silk City. Um, shout out to them. But I wonder, In I, I kept thinking about this. I'm going to walk in, and you know what's going to feel so good? What's going to feel so good? Is that everybody's going to know my name, right? It's like Cheers, like, <laughs> right? The reason we watch Cheers and the reason, like, you got hooked in the middle because, like, a place yeah. where everybody knows your name, <laughs> right? Like, we all want to walk in somewhere, and everybody looks at you and, like, yes, you're here. Like, we are better because you're here. And I thought about this in neighboring because we're going to go visit our block. And my wondering is, and, like, my deep-seated hope is, is that that neighborhood, I'm the honest, if we're honest, I'm honest, that that neighborhood is less than because we left. Mm. Like, I'm just being honest, right? <laughs> like, yeah, for real. Yeah. But the, my, my greater, like, my self-preservation hope, my cheers hope, but my Jesus hope is that those that know Jesus on there, that when we walk onto that neighborhood and walk into that store, when we arrive, that Jesus has been there and is there and will always be there, whether we're there or not. Like my, my fear and my greatest in this whole place is, is I can love my neighbor really, I can love God really well and I can love my neighbor. Like I'm in my sleep. Maybe you can too. But then my question is, am I making disciples of Jesus or am I making disciples of Austin? Right? Am I making a neighborhood where they know my name or they know Jesus' name? Like that is like my worry and my biggest worry with us within Christianity and followers of Jesus is we have this proclivity mm-hmm. of creating our name over Jesus' name. So uh, we've, we've been talking a lot about this. It's been really fun in this series um, as, as pastors, just, just working through how this applies to, to our Kairos mm-hmm. kids and to our students and, yeah. um, and to, to our church as we continue to, to love our neighbors. And um, So uh, has anybody been to uh, The Habit, to the, the new burger place that, that just opened up on 220? Okay, so they had those in California. So you good. went, though? Huh? I went. You eat meat. Uh, they have a lot of different options there. Okay. So, okay. Uh, so this this new this new place it's the habit. Um, and I drive by there oftentimes. It's right by East Lake High School. Um, but they got this drive-through. Has anybody else seen this? And like this line is like around like almost over to, to to like Trader Joe's like around the whole parking lot. And of course it's like a new place that's opened up. But uh, but I got to thinking about this like oftentimes. I kind of wish that my neighbors had a drive-through so that I can just love them really efficiently, right? Like, I want to just drive through, like, hey, can I order have a this burger? Couple, order a burger, ask for the sugar, like, hey, say hi. Like, I don't want to spend time small talk, right? But how counterproductive mm. is being neighborly? Like, truly, we live in such a, an efficient 
driven society. We live in a culture that, that just thrives on efficiency. And yet loving your neighbor well is probably one of the most inefficient things that yeah. we can do as Christians. Yeah. Like, right? Like it, it if you truly are going to love your neighbor well, you can't drive through to love your neighbor. That's so good. Can't and yet, to-do list. No. And yet, we, how often do we do that? We get into this, this mode and this rhythm of like, okay, well, I only got five minutes. I hope that person doesn't stop me, right? But sometimes Ooh. loving your neighbor well comes at a great cost of inconvenience. And, and truly, I believe what I've been learning is that that is the intersection where I've seen Jesus work mm-hmm. in my heart, where it becomes this inconvenience at first and yet at that intersection is the most beautiful place that I've experienced what it means to both to receive and to give mm-hmm. love to my own neighbor. And so as we culminate this series, it's the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. Often we'll say like the culmination of a series, the end of a series, um, the, the, you know, natural habit is just them in like, what's the next one, right? What's the next series that we're going to be jumping up of? My hope and prayer is that this is just the beginning of us learning what it, to be at the intersection of the two greats. And because here's my encouragement to you. The moment you and we together learn how to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love our neighbor ourselves, and to realize that God has called us to participate with him on this mission of the kingdom of God, to making disciples of all nations and our neighborhoods, that at the intersection is where you find Jesus. Mm. The good news, and maybe the thing is you've been, you've been loving God a lot. You've been loving neighbors a lot. You've been trying to make a disciple, a disciples of Jesus. But you feel burnt out, tired. You don't know if this Jesus guy exists or if this is even worth it. My question and my wonder is, for myself as well, as we do this week-to-week stuff, If you live in the middle and the intersection of the two greats, and not just on your own autopilot, the truth and the joy is is that the intersection between those is where Jesus resides. If you've been looking for Jesus and you haven't found him, maybe it's time to to do some self-reflection on your autopilot, Mm -hmm. that you're going when you should be be stopping, that you're at a four-way stop when you're actually at a roundabout. That you turn left when you should have turned right. In all those places, you need to stop and look with all of your assumptions that you've been making about what it looks like to follow Jesus. And you need to actually come to this place in the middle of these two intersections where the greats meet, and that's where you find Jesus. It's not on your ability to love your neighbor or to love God or your ability to make disciples but it's to be in the intersection where Jesus meets you face to face. I wonder if that's good news for you today. That in this place of when you leave, if you go out and say, God, I want to live the two greats, but the most I want to do is I want to come to the intersection so that I find you. I think we're all searching for Jesus. I don't want to be a part of a team that just has me being used and abused. I want to be a part of a kingdom that has a king in the middle. One who loves me, who cares for me, who sees me and knows me, and causes me to have the same eyes, ears, hands, feet as Jesus for my neighbors. My encouragement to you and to us this morning as we, as we close out this series 
is to find Jesus. And my encouragement is you find him at the intersection between loving the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, your neighbor as yourself, and to make disciples of all nations. If you haven't found him, you will find him there. Will you pray with me? God, as we come to you, as we sit in this place, we've all come searching. Searching for something that you hold in your hands. For some of us, that's hope. Some of us are just looking for the hope that gets them through today. God, some of us are looking for for love. We're looking for someone who will love us in the fullness of what you say in the Great Commission. Someone who loves us so much that you will never leave us nor forsake us no matter what we've done. No matter what we look like, what we've said, our past, our future, our present. Looking for somebody that would love us like that. God, we're looking for you. We're looking for your son. And so God, I just pray in this season where you have called us out and you have sent us out to love our neighbors. God, that we would do so with you. It is so much better to do it with you than without you. Mm -hmm. I feel burnt out, beat up, exhausted, depressed, pessimistic when I do things without you. So God, I just ask and pray that in this time, in this moment, as we prepare to commune with you over the bread and the cup, my ask is that you become present in this space. You are already here. But God, would you fill the room? Would you fill the room on this Pentecost Sunday where every person, every person that was gathered around on that day of Pentecost, that tongues of fire rose over their heads and there was not a partiality on who received the Holy Spirit. That all who were there and emboldened to say yes to you, received the fullness of your spirit on that day. God, today may be true. For us, as we come to this table on the Pentecost, we want the fullness of your presence with us. God, take away the lie that we believe that we only have a partial experience of you because we are less than one another. That unless I am like Paul, unless I'm like Mark or Nancy or Austin or anybody I believe that is a real good Christian, God, may we not believe the lie that we have not experienced the full presence of the Holy Spirit laid upon us when we say yes to you. The Holy Spirit is a gift. 
a free gift, a promised gift to those who say yes to you. A promised free gift, not based on how good you obey or how faithful you are. How you check off the list. God, come in this space as we commune with you. May we know the fullness of the Holy Spirit is indwelled in us. We ask this in your name. Amen.